book of Ruth. I'd like for you to turn to the third chapter, if you will. Verse 8, and I'm going to read uh, through verse 11 of chapter 4. And it happened in the middle of the night that the man Boaz was startled, bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. Woke up in the middle of the night, there's a woman in bed with him. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid. So spread your covering over your maid, for you're a close relative. She's inviting him to exercise the goel, privilege of the goel. We'll talk about that in a minute. Then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You've shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether rich, whether poor or rich. Obviously, Boaz is an older man. Doesn't take a nuclear scientist to figure that one. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. Look at that. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. And now it is true, I'm a close relative. However, there is a relative closer than I. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will redeem you. As the Lord lives, lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet till morning and rose before one could recognize another. And he said, let it, not, let it be sh not be known that the woman came to the flashing floor. Again he said, give me the cloak that is on you and hold it. So she held it and he measured six measures of barley and laid it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, how did it go, my daughter? And she told her that all, the, that all that the man had done for her. And, he said, and she said, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said, Do not go to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then she said, Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out. I want you to read every word of this wonderful text. Know how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was coming by. So he said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. He turned aside and sat down. And he took men, ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. There's a meeting going on here. Witnesses. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. It's just me and you. And he said, I will, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field, now there's, here's, here's, here's a little catch. On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth, 
with the, the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, with the land you get the woman. In order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, and the closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself, that you may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning the redemption of the exchange of land. To confirm any matter, a man removed his sandal, gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, your witnesses today that I have bought the from the hand of Naomi, all that belonged to Elimelech, and all that belonged to Shilion and Malon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, to be my wife, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance, so that the name of the deceased may not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. Now I need to bring you up to date, up to speed. Now I just want to remind us of the background of this. This story, the book of Ruth, is the, the theme of it is redemption. And the story is based upon an ancient law of Moses found in the 25th chapter of the book of Leviticus. And the law of Moses is this, that when a person had to sell his property, his land, because of poverty, it was reserved in the transaction that his next of kin, his brother, had the right, the privilege of redeeming that property for himself. And so the, every time something was transacted, transacted, it was did. It was done with that stipulation that if I have an elder brother, a near kinsman, he has the right, the privilege of buying that back and the new owner cannot refuse. Also in that ancient law of Moses seems to be that if a person had to sell himself into slavery because of a debt he owed, his brother had the right to redeem him, to buy him back. And in the evolution of time it became this, that when a widow was left, then the nearest kinsman redeemed her. That is, he took her for his own wife and raised up children to his brother's name. That's the ancient law of Moses. It was not just a, a right, but it was a responsibility. This person was called the Goel. Everywhere in the Old Testament, except in the book of Ruth, that word is translated, Hebrew word is translated, redeemer. In the book of Ruth, it's translated the near kinsman. It means the same. It's the person who steps in the place to, to redeem another. There is redemption in the field of redemption. Now, I want us to look at this text tonight in the three aspects of it. First of all, the redemption then the Redeemer, and then I want to close with the redeemed. There is the redemption. The word means to buy back or to protect. 
when a man of ancient Israel, an ancient Israelite's house died. It was the responsibility of the near kinsman to protect the widow from poverty and to, and to provide the possibility for the continuation of the family name through the children. So there is a need for redemption. This woman, Naomi, you know the background of that story. She and her husband left Bethlehem and headed down to Moab in the time of a famine because they had no food. And there her sons met Moabites women and married them. Her husband and her two sons died. And in the process of time, she returns to Bethlehem with one of these daughters-in-law by the name of Ruth. This woman, Naomi, is destined to a life of poverty. She's a widow, which means that for the rest of her life, she'll be nothing more than a gleaner, a person who serves as a slave. She's too old to have children now. And anybody who knows any kind of uh, background of Jewish belief, Jewish religion, knows that a woman's purpose in life was to raise children. They felt that to be barren was to be, a, to be cursed of God so that the purpose of the woman in the world was to have children, primarily male children. If, if a male child through that child would continue the family name, she's too old to have children. Her life is now without purpose. What a picture of the unredeemed life. It's the picture of every life that is outside of Christ. It's the picture of everyone here tonight prior to Jesus, your life, this unredeemed life described in Naomi's uh, condition, her predicament. Hers is a life as is any life unredeemed of poverty and emptiness, unfulfilled, hallow. It's a life of slavery and bondage. Someone described the unredeemed life is like a shell. There's nothing there. There's no purpose, no reason to be untoward with no direction or purpose. Oh, what a picture of the unredeemed life. Enter Boaz, the Redeemer. Now there are certain qualifications that every man must, you know, have or certain qualifications he must meet in order to be a redeemer. Couldn't just walk out on the street and say, hey, would you be a redeemer? Got some land you could buy and a woman you could have. He had to have certain qualifications. First of all, he had to have the power to do so, the means to do so. Financially, it meant a tremendous uh, sacrifice to redeem. But Boaz surely met that qualification. In fact, verse 1 of chapter 2, we've already observed that he was a man of wealth. Now that word in the Hebrew means that he had more, it means more than just that he had possessions, money in the bank, plenty to use to purchase something that he wanted. Could buy anything he wanted. It means more than that. It meant that he was a man of tremendous essence and character. He was a man of substance. He had everything necessary for redemption. It would be a, of little value if the goel was as destitute as the person who needed his help. Now we need to remember here, and there's no stretch of the imagination here at all, 
If this person in the book of Ruth, this Goel, is not a type of Jesus Christ, a foregling of Jesus, it's so close, it, it, you know, you, you'd make a mistake if you didn't say it. If it's not that way, it ought to be. I mean, it's that close. Here is a man who is, Boaz, who is a type of a, or a foreshadowing of the one who is coming, the Redeemer. What was he like? He was a man of substance and essence. He had the means by which to redeem. He laid it all aside. Though he was rich, exalted the apostle, yet he became poor that we through his poverty, his destitution, might be made rich. He had the means to do it. He had the right to redeem. Now there are a couple of things involved here. First of all, he had to satisfy the demand of the law. Now watch this carefully. In chapter 3, verse 12, Boaz says this in essence. He said, I'd love to be your redeemer, but I cannot do that illegally. There's a stipulation of the law that must be observed. And the stipulation of the law is that the nearest kinsman is to redeem you. And there is one nearer in, as a kin than I to redeem. I'm second in line. And the law must be met. And, and the, the demand of the law must be observed. Now, one, one thing we, uh, you know, we need to practice and keep this in mind here. Now, we get the principles of the Christian life in the New Testament, and we get the pictures of the Christian life in the Old Testament. So you get one principle illustrated by an Old Testament picture or an illustration. Now, this person this nearest kinsman, this other man that Boaz refers to, in my humble and accurate opinion, is a representative of the law. The law. Now watch this. The law has a prior claim. There is one who has a prior claim on Ruth than Boaz. There is a law. The law has a prior claim. And the law has to be satisfied before Boaz could play the part of the Redeemer. This is what Paul said of Jesus. He was made under the law. He lived under the law. He lived by the law. He kept the law. There was legal satisfaction. He honored its holy claims to the utmost. And so Boaz says, let's get there where the law meets. And that was at the gate of the city. It's what it's referred to. So he gets ten elders there. That's the, that, that, that composes a jury. Everything must be according to the law. And he says, now, this is what we have here. We've got a woman who needs redemption. Can you redeem her? And the law says, can't do it. I love it. We've got someone here who is destined to a life of poverty, and an unfulfilled life, and a, an empty life, a life of slavery and bondage. Can you redeem her? And the law says, I can't. And so Boaz says, then I will. And Jesus kept the law, went outside the city before all eyes, and paid the price that set us free from the law. Now, there's a, there's a little story here, there's a little side story here. 
In that day, it was a part of their custom that whenever someone purchased something, that the man, the seller, would take off his sandal and give it to the person. Now, what that meant, what that was, is like this: that I'm selling you this piece of property, and to guarantee that I won't try to take it back, I'll give you my sandal. That means I can't walk around it anymore. That's the whole picture. It's a symbol. So they'd take off their sandal, one sandal, and they'd give it to the person at the time of the purchase. And by that, symbolizing the fact that I've given this property to you and I no longer have claim to it because I couldn't walk around it to check on it anymore. The moment you gave your life to the Redeemer. Oh, listen to this. The moment you came to know Jesus Christ in the experience of redemption, you're freed from the law. No more claim on you. You're living under grace. And there's an old song we used to sing. I found it in the new hymnal. It says like this. Free from the law, O happy condition. Jesus hath bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, grace has redeemed us once for all. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O friend, now believe it. Cling to the cross, thy burden will fall. Christ has redeemed us once for all. The law has no longer a claim on your life. The second thing he must be, not just to meet the demands of the law, he must be our kinsman. He must be our kinsman. Exactly what happened when Jesus became flesh. Now, with your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. Now, everybody needs to take a trip there to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Let me read it, together, read it with you as you follow. Here we go. Everybody found it? Hebrews over New Testament. Starts with H. I uh, told some of the kids I didn't have a watch tonight, so 15 kids offered me theirs. And I, oh, I, I've, I've got one here. I've got plenty of time. Chapter 2, beginning verse 10. For to us God revealed them through, wait a minute, wrong book. Chapter, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Starts with F. For, for it was fitting for him for whom are all things, smart Alec, and, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Watch this. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, kinsmen, saying, I will proclaim thy name to my brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will sing thy praise. And again, I'll put my trust in him. And, and, and again, behold, I and the children whom God has given me, since then the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise also partook of the same flesh and blood that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. 
and might deliver those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. He's like us. He partakes of our humanity. There's no trial or cross or indignity or deprivation of rights, but Jesus suffered them. At the manger, he was made like man. At the cross, he was made like sinful man. He is one of us. He became like us that we might become like him. He was our kinsman. Third, there was his willingness to redeem. Now there's another person here. So the person's not willing. He's willing to pay the price that grace demands. I was uh, kind of sitting around uh, the other day thinking about this sermon, and I, you know, I think sometimes that we, we get the idea that, that God wants to save us, and so he said, okay, Jesus, you've got to do it, son. I hate to tell you this. Um, we'll send you down there and become like those people down there. Green, if you've read Mark Connolly's play, Green Pastures, hilarious idea, concept. We'll send you down there. And he went kicking and screaming all the way to Calvary. It's not the way it was at all. He was willing to die for you. In fact, he was eager to do it. And, and that's what Naomi told Ruth in the last verse of chapter 3. He'll not rest until this matter is settled today. He won't wait another minute. He's standing on his tiptoes to redeem. He's anxious to do it. And not only is he willing and anxious to pay the price of your redemption, he is willing to enter into covenant. He, he says, this other man is there. He'll pay the price for the land, but he doesn't want the woman. The woman goes with the land. You know what Jesus says? You know what this says about Jesus? He takes you like his bride. He wants you as his bride. And he assumes full responsibility for you. Thank the Lord. Now if you have a problem with the security of the believer, and some of us do, you need to read the story of the book of Ruth. Because this Redeemer took this woman out from under the law and took her as his bride and assumed full responsibility for her for the rest of the time and for you, and for me. And there's a little um, side note here in chapter 3, verse 10. And, and, and he says to Ruth, he said, 
in essence, he said, Ruth, I want to thank you for giving me the privilege of being your redeemer. I love it. There is such delight in, his, in, this, in our Lord to redeem that he, that he expresses the gratitude for the privilege of exercising. And he um, doesn't do that reluctantly. You know, the happiest person tonight when you got saved was Jesus himself. One last thought, and that's about the redeemed. There is human response here, human response. The movie came out several years ago. I read the book, The Poseidon Adventure. You remember that story? That, you see that movie, The Poseidon Adventure? Did that, wasn't that something that took place like on New Year's Eve and New Year's Eve party, wasn't it? And anyway, this cruise liner turned upside down. I mean, and, 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 and these people were trapped underwater in this cruise liner. There's a scene in that uh, uh, Poseidon adventure where two ministers, two preachers trapped in, in her together. And one of them says, let's pray for a miracle. And the other said, let's pray as we seek an escape from this ship. And the latter was saying, there are miracles that come, but we need to make a human response. Now, the book of redemption is the story of the providence of God, but you don't see passive people here waiting for God to do something for them. What you see here are people who are putting themselves in a position by human response to be redeemed. And so Naomi takes the initiative. She makes aggressive, gives aggressive instruction. You go down there and you put yourself in the place of that, where that man can find you. And Ruth moves in human response to lie down with this man at night. And it looks like she's trying to seduce him, but she's not at all. Forget it. What she's doing is saying this, I'm asking you to redeem me, man. I need redemption. Redeem us. Redeem me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there's human response. In, all, in life, there are always two sides. There's two sides to everything. There's two sides to this Bible. A baseball has two sides. It has an inside and an outside. When a man and his wife argue, there are two sides. There's a wife's side and there's a right side. There are always, always two sides. In spiritual matters, there are two sides. There's God's side and your side my side. Now listen to me carefully. God offers His grace, but I must respond to that grace. And here is where the crisis of the Christian life occurs. Because there's a terrible, terrible discrepancy in most of us between God's promise and our performance. God says, I'm an overcomer, but I'm constantly being overcome. God says that I am adequate, but I am dreadfully inadequate. God says that I am holy, but I know that I am unholy. And the secret of the Christian life is to somehow translate into shoe leather what God has promised and bridge the gap between what I am positionally and what I need to be experientially. And there are two words that unlock the secret. These are two words, the two words. 
absolute appropriate. Now what God does, He does absolutely. God has made absolute provision. God has provided absolutely and completely all I need to be just like Jesus, but I must appropriate the provision. Absolute and appropriation. That is, I must make, I must appropriate what God has made available. There's an illustration, listen to this. He himself, 1 John 2, 2, is the propitiation, the covering for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. What he's saying is this, that sins of every lost person have been paid for already. Do you believe, listen to me, answer me, do you believe that Christ died for the sin of the whole world? You believe that? Then why isn't everybody saved? <laughs> if he died for everybody, why isn't everybody saved? John 3, 38 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. And the, and the answer to the question, why isn't everybody saved is, is that the absolute provision is made, but the appropriation is not exercised by some of us. Now, there is this redemption needed. And there is this Redeemer provided. He stands tonight on tiptoes waiting to redeem. All that's left is your willingness of appropriation. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful, wonderful picture of the Boaz who came walked on the earth, satisfied the holy law, and offers to us to eternal redemption. We praise you, Jesus, for who you are and what, you, what you've done. Amen. I wonder tonight if there are any here Anyone here who has never given his, his heart to Jesus, has never given his okay to the Redeemer's desire to redeem. Most of the time on Sunday night, most of us are saved. There might be one who isn't. Would you be willing tonight, boy or girl, man or woman, to give your okay to what Jesus wants to do? And that is to save you, take you as his responsibility for the rest of your life so that he'll stand with you at the judgment, claim you for himself. Maybe there are people who need to rededicate their life to Christ or Join our fellowship while we stand to sing. I invite you to come.